Hello Rebels, you're listening to a free audio-only recording of my weekly Wednesday night show, The Gun Show. However, you know, this is the internet, so listen whenever you feel like. Tonight, my guest is Dr. Jay Lair of the International Climate Science Coalition, and we're discussing the catastrophic Biden presidency and the effect that that will have going forward on the energy sector, electricity prices oil and gas, fracking, coal. Um, He's more optimistic than me, as you will see. Now, if you like listening to the show, then I promise you're going to love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to Rebel News Plus. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on Rebel News. Subscribers get access to my show, which I think is pretty great. But you also get access to Ezra's nightly Ezra Levant show and David Menzies' fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup, where you see your favorite rebels discussing their favorite videos of the week. It's only 8 bucks a month to subscribe. And just for my podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new Rebel News Plus subscription by using the coupon code PODCAST when you subscribe. Just go to rebelnews.com slash subscribe to become a member. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. What will a Biden presidency mean for the energy sector and the price of energy in the United States? I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed and you're watching The Gun Show. It's looking more and more every day like Joe Biden will be the president of the United States. Now, Joe Biden has said that he is not for the Green New Deal, but then he had the Green New Deal listed on his website. I think Joe Biden will do whatever the puppet masters behind him tell him to do. But his VP choice says a lot about his intentions. Kamala Harris is a radical environmentalist who is an avowed supporter of the Green New Deal. She's anti-oil and gas. She's anti-fossil fuel. And I suspect our American friends are looking down the barrel of a brand new carbon tax. But that's all just speculation. What I do know as a Canadian and as an Albertan is that Joe Biden has said that he's against the Keystone XL pipeline, which makes... My problems with a Biden-Harris administration, a little bit personal, because that is Alberta's only hope for an export pipeline to Tidewater. Now, joining me tonight to discuss all these issues and more is Dr. Jay Lair. He's a senior policy analyst with the International Climate Science Coalition. He's a former science director of the Heartland Institute. And unlike a lot of people having these discussions, he's also an actual scientist. So joining me now in an interview we recorded earlier is Dr. Jay Lair. Joining me now from his home in Ohio is Jay Lair. Jay is the senior policy analyst with the International 
Climate Science Coalition, and he's the former science director of the Heartland Institute. And unlike a lot of the people opining on climate change these days, he's actually an internationally renowned scientist, speaker, and author who has testified before Congress. Thank you so much for taking the time uh, for this interview today, Jay. Now, I wanted to have you on because you have written a very compelling article at uh, America Out Loud is where people can find most of your work, um, most of your written articles, not most of your work. I suspect you're working hard every single day fighting for freedom and dispelling myths about climate change. But you have a very compelling article titled Joe Biden's Multi-Trillion Dollar Clean Energy Revolution Joke. Um, Biden, throughout his campaign, sort of denied his links to AOC's Green New Deal, but it was right on his website the whole time, if anyone was interested in looking. Yes, Sheila, he definitely is tied into the Green New Deal. But the Green New Deal is ridiculous. It, it can never happen. And it has everybody up in arms that uh, the Biden administration, we don't even know whose administration it is. They're puppet masters behind him and uh, Kamala Harris. And it doesn't matter whether he's president or she's president. The point is their presidency, a socialist administration. But it really doesn't worry me because, uh, you know, there's an expression, uh, give him enough rope to hang himself. Uh, Sheila, that's exactly what's going to happen in the next two years. The Democrat Socialist Party is going to have all the rope in the world to hang themselves. And the rank and file of people in America who sadly may have voted for Biden, although uh, surely at least 10 million of them were voting because they hate Trump. Uh, they will find out very quickly that uh, nothing, the candidate they voted for, nothing good will come of it. Everything he does will be an absolute uh, disaster. He can't, in my opinion, in two years, that group cannot do enough damage. Uh, they'll do more damage to their party and in the 2022 election, uh, the United States will clearly elect an, a majority of Republicans in the House of Representatives. So he's not going to have the House of Representatives after two years. He's not going to have the Senate from the beginning, the election in Georgia on uh, January 5th and 6th, that uh, there are two candidates up. He can't possibly win both. So the Republicans will keep a slim majority of uh, 5149 or 5248, which will block what he can do. The kind of things a president can do is he'll rejoin the Paris Accord and, and give them billions of dollars. That's going to make people mad. He might rejoin the uh, Iran nuclear deal, and that's going to get people mad. He'll open the borders uh, to Mexico, and a couple million people in the next two years will come in, and most of them, if they're allowed to vote, would vote Democratic. But there really isn't enough that's going to alter the United States. And they can't put a Green New Deal in place. The Green New Deal says, oh, no more fossil fuel, no coal, no natural gas, uh, no oil, have electric cars. These are fine things to write about and talk about, but they take years to accomplish. If you read all the things they write, they say what's going to be done by 2025, by 2030, by 2035. They're going to be long gone by then. So it's very limited of what they can do. His plan is indeed a joke, as Tom Harris and I said on America 
out loud. The Green New Deal is a joke. It can't be done. You cannot run either our economy in the United States or yours in Canada on wind and solar. It, it can't be done. And everybody, little by little, will realize what a joke it is. You know, Jay, I appreciate so much your optimism there because uh, you and I were talking off camera and and you said, well, you had a completely different opinion of what the future would bring uh, because of Biden than I. Um, because as an Albertan, which I described to you as Canada's Texas, uh, our anti-oil prime minister, Justin Trudeau, I mean, he he likes to position himself as the leader of the global anti-Trump cabal, really, um, he has put a lot of regulations and um, roadblocks in place to the development of Western Canadian oil and gas. He's basically landlocked us. And so for a lot of us in Alberta, including the small town that is the terminus of the Keystone XL pipeline, we were really rooting for Donald Trump, despite what the media will tell you about how Canadians are so anti-Trump, that's not the case here, um, because he is a pro-energy and pro-energy independence president, and he didn't leave us behind in that. But for us, it, it was very scary because Biden said, and he campaigned on it, that he will cancel the Keystone XL pipeline. And for us right now, that's really our only export pipeline to Tidewater, but you take a completely different position. So I'm very happy to hear that. Well, you've uh, Trudeau has had a few years uh, advantage in making life difficult for the uh, fossil fuel industry in, in Canada. It's clear that Biden will attempt to do all the kinds of things that Trudeau has done, and the oil and gas industry will certainly hate him for two years, and they will throw uh, their obstacles that will be thrown in their way. So there will be some damage, but it's just not going to be permanent damage. You know, you, you're pointing out the Keystone pipeline. That could be one of the worst things uh, he does. But again, he can just hold it up for a year or two. When he loses the House, which he will, there's no chance. Think about the fact that the Democrats said they were going to pick up a dozen seats in the House. They didn't pick up one. They lost a dozen. Their majority is very slim. They're, I'll bet all the tea in China that the Republicans will take back the House in 2022, and they will keep the Senate now, and they'll keep it in 2022. Even if they lost the Senate, they'd get it back in 22. Because everything this administration does is going to be impeding the economy, just as Trudeau is doing the same thing in, in Canada. So he will not do a single thing that will make anybody happy in this country. So 10 million people that voted for him because they hated Trump will gravitate right back to the right side, get their heads straight. And the question is, and all the people that say, oh, I'm overly optimistic, I'm crazy, it's going to be terrible. It isn't going to be good. But the amount of damage he can do in two years, and I only give him two years because once he loses the House, he doesn't have a House in the Senate. He's really limited in the damage. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's minimal. I think he'll do more damage to the Democrat Socialist Party than he will do to the country. I think he might destroy the party. In four years, they'll lose by a landslide. Can you, could you tell me a single thing he might do that's going to make the people in the United States happy? Now, forget about the 40% liberal radicals that want to live under socialism, the 60% that do not are not going to be happy with anything he does. Well, and I, I do appreciate your perspective because uh, you are in Ohio, you're in coal country, you're in fracking country. 
Um, and so you, you do sort of have your finger on the pulse of these issues. Um, now, another thing I, I wanted to talk to you about is one of your other more recent articles over at America Out Loud. And it uh, details, I suppose, the hubris of humanity, doesn't it? That, um, you know, that the article is titled Human Puppeteers Calling the Shots for Mother Nature. Um, and, you know, it is about this hubris that we think that we can control this this thing that we live on just like every other creature on the face of the earth. Yes, it really is uh, absolutely absurd. The, the choice of man-caused global warming as the fraud they launched to take over the government of the world uh, was a strange one in my eyes because it's so absolutely ridiculous. But when you own the media and mm -hmm. everything people read and hear and see is about it and they have little science training, they actually think man uh, has the ability to control the thermostat of the earth. We have zero uh, capacity to do that. And the whole idea of, of blaming everything on man's carbon dioxide, which makes up like a tenth of a percent of the entire uh, atmosphere, was intended to control all energy, to control the number of children you have, because that's we exhale carbon dioxide. So energy controls the world. And if you blame it all on carbon dioxide, you need the UN to be in charge of everything. One country doesn't make much difference. So the world, whole world has to be in sync. You have a more powerful UN and ultimately a one world government. That's what they're looking at. But one of the things about them is they're, they're, they're really not dumb. The leaders of the whole program know we cannot run our economy on wind and solar. In fact, they know well, if we get rid of fossil fuel, energy will have to be rationed. That's exactly what they want. If you ration energy to the entire country, to all industries, to all people, you absolutely control society. So that is really their goal. It's, it's evil, Sheila. There's nothing, no other way to call it. They are evil. They know what they're doing. And sadly, uh, the rank and file population of both our countries don't understand the science. You, you can imagine it drives me crazier than the average person because I under, I've spent my life in the science and they're, they're launching lie after lie after lie. So that's what I do. I work seven days a week writing articles, publish them in numbers of places, explaining to people in different ways that man has zero impact on the temperature of our planet. You know, there's a a line in or two or three lines in a paragraph that you've written here and it reads radical environmentalists are not interested in taking over a single country or even many ruling the whole world is their only goal so an all powerful united nations and completely a one world government is their path to success practically no vehicle other than climate change has a chance at achieving this after all the climate is everywhere on earth and for the environmental communist movement to succeed, everywhere on earth must be controlled. And, you know, when I read that, it reminded me of, um, you know, East Germany. And you had to capture everybody because communism doesn't work if people can leave. And so you can't confine people to their countries anymore, but we are all confined to the earth. So naturally the next step, if you want communism, you've got to control everything, the entire face of the earth. And as you rightly point out, 
the only existential threat the left wants us to believe is truly out there. It's global warming. It's perfect for them. Your analogy to East Germany is, uh, is absolutely excellent. That is what they want is, is total control. And actually, environmentalism is the new communism. Yeah. When the, the wall came down in, uh, in East Germany and when the Soviet Union failed, uh, Mr. Gorbachev left power in the Soviet Union and started a new environmental organization. And he was smart enough to realize that if you put the environment ahead of mankind and you create uh, falsehoods of bad things happening to the environment and tell people it's just immoral to treat the, the environment badly, you get the control that you just described, Sheila. So environmentalism, radical environmentalism, is, is truly the new communism. It saved communism, and that's really what they're after. And Gorbachev knew that when he left office. Now, certainly there are good people working to protect the environment. I have a PhD, basically, in environmental science, and I have worked to protect our environment. I helped write the seven safety net bills in the United States back in the 70s that protect our air, our water, our soil, our waste disposal, our agriculture, and, and so on. We're really all positive environmentalists, but the leadership of the radical organizations really are communists at heart, and they want world domination. And you said it correctly, they have to control all people. There, there can't be people allowed to, to go their own way. And the novel 1984 and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World, uh, they are evil. We're in a battle of good versus evil, and uh, we know which side we're on. It, it truly is. And it, you cannot have, I mean, this is the one way that they capture everybody. There, you can't bleed off uh, non-believers if we're all trapped on the same earth. It's actually quite clever uh, of the environmental left. And I say the environmental left, but they're just the radical left. Environmentalism is the veneer that they put over it so that everybody finds it uh, benign, like they're saving the planet. Um, now, I wanted to talk to you about... Um, a, another article that you've written, it's a little while back, November 11th, um, and you suggested under a Biden administration, get ready for nationwide blackouts. I guess when we vote, and when I say we, I mean not even Canadians, of course, we can't vote in your elections, but when society votes for uh, people who want to replicate what's happening in California, environmentally speaking, through regulations, of course, you're going to get California-style rolling brownouts. No question about it. California is way ahead of the rest of the country. They're the model of, of terribleness for energy in the United States. And they're, they're down to one nuclear power plant they're going to shut down in 2024. Uh, they're uh, eliminating all coal-fired plants. And uh, they're making life difficult for natural gas. And they're requiring uh, wind and solar uh, in as part of every electrical supply uh, system in the country. They're even not buying energy. They're, they're way short of energy. They have to import a lot of it, and they won't even buy energy that's produced uh, across their border by coal. So they're making life more and more difficult for their citizens, and they are already having rolling brownouts and, and blackouts, and they are the model of what will happen to the rest of the country uh, if we were to follow suit. And that's what Biden's plan clearly, ultimately, is to get rid of all fossil fuels and revert to wind and solar. 
he's not smart enough to know it's a failure, but the people behind him are smart enough to know yeah. you cannot uh, do it, but they want it done because they want to take control and ration energy in every way in the United States. So we're really, I'm very happy that California is doing what they're doing uh, because anybody with half a brain will see if they follow California's plan, they'll be in the same shape. Well, Biden wants the whole thing to happen in the United States. And again, I go back to the fact that uh, he will not have enough time in office or the people that are pulling the strings on his uh, puppet are uh, not going to have enough time to really make an inroad uh, into our whole energy system. They're going to hurt the economy, but it won't be a, it won't really be a disaster. I expect gasoline prices to go up uh, 50 cents as he promotes uh, electric uh, cars and, uh, and and so on. But again, I, I just look at things very practically and uh, you're limited in how much damage you can do in a short period of time. Yeah, I think Americans might want to hunker down for an expensive carbon tax because we got one here when we had a radical environmentalist leader take control of our country. And now we're getting another one and they're calling it the clean fuel standard because we don't know that that's just not code for carbon tax 2.0. Um, now, there's you've written another article that uh, this is something that I, is on my radar quite a bit because I think it is so ridiculous for governments and normal people. Um, because governments don't actually have any of their own money. It all comes from normal people. Rich people, they can move their money around. They can afford expensive tax attorneys. Um, but normal people like you and I, we can't do that. And so uh, I always watch how governments treat electric vehicles because it is the ultimate virtue signaling. It is taking money from normal people to subsidize the luxury novelty vehicles of rich people and Joe Biden, like all the other uh, far leftist politicians before him, thinks that forcing taxpayers to pay for what is it here? Um, it, it's some enormous amount of. Uh, oh, my goodness. Half a million new public charging outlets by the end of 2030. So creating an entire, I guess fuel station system for cars that nobody wants to buy unless you pay them to buy it. Well, Sheila, I couldn't say it any better than you, <laughs> but again, you said a half a million uh, charging systems by 2030. He's going to be long gone before 2030. They don't have time to do that. Yep. Uh, electric vehicles, the whole industry would shrink if they weren't working on so many government subsidies. And that indeed is one of Biden's uh, desires. It's yes. clearly the case in California, they want to outlaw the internal combustion engine by uh, 2035. It, it isn't going to happen. And people, electric car prices are not going to come down equal to normal car prices. And uh, a quarter of the population couldn't conceivably afford them. And if you really start looking at the problems with a lot of electric cars, uh, it means you're going to have a lot older, safer cars on the road because people aren't going to be able to trade their cars in. Uh, for the electric vehicle. So it's a terrible idea on all levels. There's nothing wrong with an electric car if you can afford them and you have a charging station near And you. if they work in your climate, they don't work here. <laughs> they don't work too well in cold climates, right. The mileage that you, you get, the uh, fear of uh, running out of power uh, is a heck of a bigger problem in cold climates than in, in hot climates. And, you know, Elon Musk has done an amazing sales job doing with Tesla 
the price of, of Tesla is like monopoly money. It has no relation to uh, reality. So electric cars are another one of the crazy ideas linked to the, uh, the Green New Deal. And, and there again, my optimism is let him do all those things. It's just going to end his term in office. I think it's going to end the Democrat Socialist Party. Oh, Jay, from your lips to God's ears. Jay, I, I could take up all your time, um, but that is not the deal we agreed to when we had this interview. Jay, why don't you tell us where people can find some of the work that you do and uh, support it, share it, spread the message? Well, I work with uh, Tom Harris, and we write an essay published on American uh, Out Loud uh, every single week of the year. I uh, do a lot of radio shows with them. And Tom has a website. Our website is International Climate Science Coalition. A lot of stuff is there. But I write independently as well on a website called cfact.org, C-F-A-C-T, uh, Committee for a Constructive Tomorrow. Uh, and I write essays uh, every week. And the neat thing in both places, all my work is archived. If you went to cfact.org, I've written 100 articles in the last uh, two years there on every subject you would be interested in relating to uh, energy and climate. And if you just go to find one of my articles and you click on my name, uh, a string of everything I've written will come up. You've got to wait while they reload each, uh, each page. But one of the fun things I do when somebody asks me, uh, you know, for something I've written, uh, I send them everything. Of course, they don't have to read it all. Just find a title you like, click on it and, uh, and read it. But uh, the most exciting thing about my work the last two years, Sheila, is there is not a day goes by that I'm not published somewhere in the world. And Tom Harris deserves most of the credit for that. He knows how to work uh, getting stuff out to the right people and finding it for me. But I'm translated into German, Chinese, Spanish, Italian, uh, it's very exciting. And uh, I work, uh, I'm 84 years old. Uh, I'm an Ironman triathlete, uh, still play all sports. People don't believe that, but it's true. I heat my house with wood, but I work five hours a day, seven days a week. And my goal is to educate the public. And if every article I read, you know, lands uh, on the head of uh, three or four people who now realize what a fraud man caused climate change is, that was a good day's work. Well, that's quite inspirational um, that you're working so hard still um, when so many people are just enjoying their golden years. Uh, Jay, thanks so much for coming on the show. I'll have you back on again real soon. And yeah, Tom Harris is a great friend of Rebel News, and so was Mark Morano over at CFACT. So, um, you know, good bunch of guys, including yourself, working hard to just tell the other side of the story. We appreciate that so much. Well, you're, Sheila, you're doing as much as all of us. Your program <laughs> is great. You bring the right people on and you really understand analyzing your questions are fabulous. So uh, your audience uh, is, is getting their money's worth watching your show. It's fabulous. Great. Thanks, Jay. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you. You too. I'm pleased with Dr. Lair's optimism going forward, despite what I think is probably going to be at least two years of catastrophe in the United States energy sector. And as a Canadian, I'm very worried too, because I think Justin Trudeau is going to be emboldened by having a Biden-Harris administration in the White House. Only time will tell, but I suspect things are going to go from bad 
to worse to worse than we could ever imagine in the Canadian energy sector. And I hope that I am wrong for everybody's sake. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. Merry Christmas, happy holidays. And remember, don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.